Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Oh, yay, everybody celebrate. The government's not shutting down. Yay. Last night, the House, uh, including lawmakers from Indy, right here in Indiana, helped pass the uh, the stopgap continuing resolution, the CR, that would prevent a government shutdown uh, if signed into law before Friday. Well, thank God we've got that confetti and the dancing girls in the back, Nige. We've been <laughs> holding on for a very special moment, and it feels like this this is the time here. Yeah. Now, what this stopgap, and that's what it is. They call it a continuing resolution, but it's really a stopgap. What this does, it kind of helps with energy and water development agricultural, drug administration, transportation, urban development, military construction, and veterans affairs. So, side note, the the compromise, and it was a compromise last night, uh, that there is no new aid for Ukraine. So that's is, a plus, I guess. But at the same uh, time, it feels like there's an awful lot of pork and BS still put into this thing. And no aid for Israel. No, nothing for border security. Okay. But I think this, you know, the speaker's kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place. See, if you're going to tell me there's no money for Ukraine, all right, fine. But how about taking some of that money that would have been earmarked for Ukraine and helping us, the American people, out? But apparently there's no interest in doing that at all. That money could go a long way with humanitarian issues at the border. Anytime you hear somebody talk about humanitarian, that's their way of trying to push through money somewhere. You don't want to hurt people and children, do you? (laughs) So humanitarian money should have made its way to the United States border. But if you're wondering how some of your favorite TV pals voted in this uh, stopgap, here are the Indiana delegates in the House of Representatives. Mervan, Yes. Andre Carson. Yes. Uh, Jim Baird. Yes. Greg Pence. Yes. Bouchon. Yes. The nays were all Republicans here. Jim Banks, Victoria Sparts, Houchin, and Yakum. Those were all the nays. Now, if you're wondering, why would a guy like Jim Banks, who's got a military background, vote nay on something that would involve military construction and helping out veterans affairs. He put on social media last night, quote, clean CR, which is this continuing resolution, clean CR is a vote to keep funding Bidenomics, the open border, and to continue $2 trillion in annual deficits. Yeah, basically that's what... Um Congressman, U.S. Representative Matt Gates had to say in Florida. He was the one that, you know, the Gang of Eight that initially uh, ousted uh, previous House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said, 
yeah, look, without spending cuts, border security, and defanging weaponization, it's not sufficient. I'm not voting for it. Politics makes strange bedfellows here. Did you ever think there would be a big bill vote where Greg Pence and Andre Carson would have the same vote? No. Baird, Pence, Bouchon, all Republicans that voted yay or yes on this stop. And this is ultimately going to go through the Senate. It'll get passed and Biden's expected to sign it. So speaking of Joe Biden, I'm glad you bring him up, Nige. Let's not waste any time. He's got a lot of stuff going on here. Let's check in. With wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing, Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. How many push-ups you want to do here, pal? I'm not going nuts. Now I'm not saying this to be a complete smartass here. Do you think there's a possibility that by the time this meeting with Joe Biden and President Xi is over? He's handed over our nuke codes. <laughs> it's 50 50. It's a, <laughs> it's a coin flip, man. Heads or tails. I gave him the nuke codes and he gave me these magic beans. <laughs> like, we can all see that playing out, right? I mean, did you see that motorcade in San Francisco for the communist dictator of China? It looked like that scene in Coming to America where uh, James Earl Jones, the dad, yeah. King Jaffe Jafar, is making his way into Queens <laughs> to rescue his son, a king. You know what I didn't see? There's, it definitely looked different on the streets of San Francisco. Like, I didn't see any uh, bums or poop or needles. I just saw Chinese flags everywhere. It looked like Beijing, for God's sake. Now, we did see a Czechoslovakian TV crew get mugged at oh, gunpoint. Yeah, that's right. So they're still keeping it real a little bit out in San Francisco. But again, Gavin Newsom thinks it's a flex to say, look, we cleaned up San Francisco. Yeah, you should have been doing that anyway. It's supposed to be clean anyway. (laughs) This is something you should be doing all the time. I'd be embarrassed if I was him. And how about this? This is a little breaking news from this afternoon. The Biden administration has unlocked another $10 billion dollars for the Iranian regime and extended by four months the sanctions waiver that's going to allow Iraq to continue to buy electricity from Iran and give Iran limited access to the proceeds for humanitarian goods. Anytime you want to push some money through somewhere, put that word humanitarian in there. Why are we helping out Iran in any way, shape, or form? I know this is letting Iraq purchase electricity and stuff like that and opening money for humanitarian goods, but like Iraq's policy, it's not just a slogan, death to America, that's like their policy. Right. It's on their license plates. It's part of the (laughs) charter, plus they fund Hamas. They knew about the attacks in Israel in October, and we're just helping them out. And again, this is your government here. Listen to this. The Biden State Department spokesman. It's this lackey named Matt Miller, who's in way over his head. He's basically going to say here that they know historically Iran has used this type of money for terror. But this time, it's going to be for humanitarian purposes. Sure. 
I think that the, I think they are going. They have shown that they are going to, to conduct destabilizing activities. They were doing it before 2018 when the Trump administration gave them the first waiver, which is why, but which is why we have an entire set of policies to hold them accountable for those destabilizing activities. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Any parent buy that? Like, if you've ever had to tell your kids, "Listen, you haven't done your homework in a week. I'm going to leave you alone here." And I'm going to go to my friend's house and have a few beers and watch the ball game. You promised to do your homework, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what Iran is doing here. Now, I know you've taken these millions and billions of dollars in the past, and you've tried to kill Americans. But this time, you're going to give it to the people, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, speaking of this war going on in the Middle East... Jamal Bowman, you remember this clown, right? A rep, rep, uh, New York representative that pulled the, uh, the the fire alarm to stop a vote, right? Stop the uh, spending vote. He says that supporting a ceasefire between Hamas and the Israelis shows that he knows what it really means to be Jewish. By me calling for a ceasefire with my colleagues and centering humanity. I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish. (laughs) I love it. A black non-Jew and notorious fire alarm puller lecturing what it really means to be Jewish. (laughs) He's Jew-splaining. That's what it is. That's what he is. (laughs) He's a Jew-splainer. He's a Jew-splainer. To take you out of this place. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. What I missed last night, man. I, I didn't get to watch the Pacer game at all. Great effort, really. So the Pacers had back-to-back games at Philadelphia. Now the Sixers, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, maybe one of the best in the league. But uh, certainly when they're at home, they're tough to beat. They had not lost a home game all season, including beating the Pacers there on Sunday. But last night, man, Pacers beat Philly in Philly, 132 to 126. That's a big number. Pacers could score. Now, defense, eh, but they can score some points. I think the Pacers were leading the NBA in offense, and this was one of those in-season tournament game things. So the court was kind of wacky and all that stuff, but Pacers put it on them last night. They're now 2-0 and in this in-season tournament deal, and they've got the third best record in the Eastern Conference, only one and a half back of first place Philadelphia. How'd Halliburton do? Dude, he's a stud. He is a bad mamma jamma. 33 points, 15 assists. And when you look at what he did in those two games at Philadelphia, and I think this was a a tweet Scott Agnes put out there. He covers the Pacers. I think we've had him on the show before. In two games in Philadelphia, back-to-back, Tyrese Halliburton, 58 points, 32 assists, zero turnovers in 75 minutes. Uh, and the uh, yeah, those, those are amazing stats. And the thing is, Halliburton wants to be here. He's made it known that this is his home for uh, for for a while. 
He's the face of the franchise, man. He is tough. If he had Lakers across his chest or Celtics across his chest, he would be first team all NBA. He'd be on every commercial. The marketing hype machine would be behind him. Uh, But let's be honest. The Pacers in Indianapolis. Small market. Kind of a small market. Sometimes he gets left out of the conversation. But this dude is probably the best point guard the Pacers have had since they've been in the NBA. Whoa. Not counting the ABA days, but right now I would put Tyrese Halliburton above Mark Jackson. Here is Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle. He's our guy. <laughs> you know, he's our guy. He's he's a great player. He's got a, a, an amazing vibe, um, and he battled out there. He battled defensively, and he battled on the boards too. And so you know, he's our leader on the floor. He's our leader off the floor. And he wants to be here, I reiterate. I mean, that's important. Right. Maybe because some of the other stars that we've had come through here, I feel like, uh, the past couple of... Paul George, for example. Right. Even Oladipo got a little uh, yeah, sour exactly, exactly. toward the, the end. Two, uh, the two else I was thinking of. Yeah. He's a young kid, man. He's always positive and optimistic. And this Pacers team, they are fun to watch. And, by the way, I've been making a killing betting on Tyrese Halliburton over 10.5 assists. I don't know really? when the odds makers are going to make changes. I think of the eight times that I have bet on Halliburton going over 10.5 assists, I've won seven of them. So I'm waiting for the odds makers to kind of catch on to this quirky little bet here. But if they keep setting it 10 and a half, okay. keep hammering Halliburton <laughs> for the over on the over. All right. Dateline, Iowa, an Iowa man now has the world record for his pencil collection <laughs> featuring 69,255 pencils. I didn't know Adam Schiff was from Iowa. <laughs> I didn't know Pencil Neck was from that state. I thought he was from California. It doesn't say anything about necks here. Oh, okay. Oh, just pencils. Just pencils. <laughs> How many? 69,255. Let's hear from Aaron, who is now the record holder. I knew numbers wise that I could beat the record. Guinness has pretty strict rules. Um, and so it was <laughs> it was really exciting when I found out that everything went through and that it had been made official. That was awesome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Congratulations. You, you got almost 70,000 pencils sitting at your house. If you walk into a bar, Nige, and you're the world record holder for pencils, how quick in the conversation do, do you, you get bring punched it up? in the face? <laughs> well, that. But how quick do you bring that up into normal conversation? Uh, well, if that's the only thing I got, then I guess pretty uh, as soon as humanly possible. Like that's when like, Aaron's friends come over to the house. Aaron, how you doing? Well, I'm pretty good considering I'm the world record holder for sixty nine thousand two hundred and fifty five pencils. If that's the most interesting thing about me in my life, then yes, that's coming up in the conversation pretty quickly. I have a feeling Aaron is a very, 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 very lonely man. Which brings us to great moments in world record history. How about the guy that claims the world record by smashing 273 walnuts onto his forehead. (laughs) Is that the one where he literally kind of looks like a chicken and he's just going on the table smashing each individual acorn with his forehead? 
Next night with WIBC, Matt Bear is going to have to oh, attempt to break that record. Gotta try it. <laughs> uh, great moments in world record history: the most people playing a kazoo at once. The last part sounds like me leaving Taco Bell. Uh, Great moments in world record history. This was the guy that was trying to set the record for the longest cry. And I don't know if something went squirrely, but he went partially blind for a little while trying to attempt this. I think the Guinness Book of World Records has jumped the shark a long time ago. What if I told you I put together a mashup of the guy attempting the longest cry with Anderson Cooper drinking tequila, Howard Dean firing up the crowd, Poindexter, (laughs) and a dude trying to shoo off a bear? Moments in world record history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. No. So you heard uh, Mike Braun, Senator Mike Braun, on with uh, Tony Katz uh, yesterday talking about the border crisis, 60% increase in illegal immigration. And we had the stat yesterday that October was the highest month on record for illegal immigration, upwards of uh, 290, 291,000 illegal immigrants crossing the border. And, of course, hammered dozens and dozens over the past months of uh, people, uh, illegal immigrants, that are happen to be on the terror watch list. Oh, wonderful. So you would think that the FBI director would, at the very least, try to lie to you and say, oh, we know where everybody's at. We've got eyes in the sky. We've got drones. we got boots on the ground. We know where everybody's at. They're not even doing that anymore. Listen to this. FBI director Chris Wray, he was in a hearing earlier today, and he has no idea absolutely no idea the whereabouts of where some of these individuals on the terror watch list are at in our country. He was asked during this uh, session a very simple question. Do you know where they're at? And his answer made it sound like, you know, he was on jeopardy and he has no idea what the answer is. And he's just trying to come up with something and the clock is running out. Are there people that you are still searching for that we don't know where they are in the United States? Of the known apprehensions, KSTs, known or suspected terror people, match list to the terror watch list. Are you still searching for people in the United States that we know match the terror watch list? I'm not sure I can answer that here uh, because it's a constantly moving target. Yes. uh, Are there people that matched the terror watch list that were apprehended by CBP that the FBI and other agencies are searching for in the United States. There are 
certainly individuals who are uh, the subject of terrorism investigations that we are searching for. Are there people that you don't? Those are there people you don't know where they are that the FBI is searching for today? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. That's all you had to say. Yes, we have no idea where these people are at. Uh, there was another clip too. The guy asked him, like, in four years. Before this, there were only 11 individuals on the terror watch list crossing the border, and suddenly there's like 294 in the past few years. Why? Quote from FBI Director Ray, I can't really speak to that issue. That's not in my lane. You might want to ask Mayorkas. You might want to ask your president about that question. <laughs> clown show. And really, it's not funny. I mean, if you don't laugh, you'll absolutely cry. Because this is a very serious deal. But it's unserious people that are in charge right now. Now, on the subject of open borders, according to the CDC, over 150 people die every day from overdoses related to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. And yesterday alone, United States Border Patrol agents in Arizona... They busted two smuggling loads consisting of over 304 pounds of fentanyl worth $1.9 million. Dude, and let me tell you something. That's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, that's the cartels look at that. They lost 300 pounds of fentanyl. Eh, it's cost of doing business. I had a relative that recently sat on a jury. It was like a one-day jury trial. Somebody got busted transporting like 100 pounds of meth and fentanyl each. And... This this relative said they showed you know pictures of garbage bags full. I mean dozens and dozens of garbage bags full of pills, and it's just a drop in the bucket. That's the stuff they catch. That's the stuff we know about. Right. It is flowing like lava over the southern border. As we gear up for uh, Thanksgiving festivities here, here's an update on the economy. Here's an update on how much things are going to cost this year for those who have not purchased your Thanksgiving feasts grocery items yet. We up or down? This year, we will pay 25% more than the pre-COVID days. So, compared to 2019, okay, that was pre-COVID, 2019 to today, turkey it's up 32%. Pumpkin pie mix, up 34%. More than turkey? Pie shells, up 39%. What's going on? Ham, 97% higher than 2019. Rolls, up 54%. Stuffing, up 41%. Potatoes, up 30%. Green beans, up 32%. Thanks, Joe Biden. Now, look, I get over a number of years, you know, prices sometimes gradually increase. But ham is up 97% notch. I mean, is there a meat shortage somewhere that I'm not aware of? (laughs) Seriously. Turkey is up 32%. Ham is up 97%. So, let's take a break. We were talking about pre-COVID levels right there. Let's take a break and do something we haven't done in a while. Let's check in with America's ongoing fight against COVID-19. Oh, boy. COVID-19. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. How many? There are three vaccines. I think there's more, but I'm not going to fix China piss off. Now you've made the world cough. We're all nervous. Because of COVID-19. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's. I mean, like, there's. I think there's Spike Vax now. That's the uh, Moderna. Have you seen the Spike Vax? That's now their. That's the new marketing campaign for Moderna. No Spike Vax. It's like Clorox, only different. (laughs) And what these companies are doing, like what what Travis Kelsey and Pfizer uh, are doing, is are trying to. It's like they're trying to do a package deal with the flu vaccine. You can go get your flu vaccine, and while you're getting the flu vaccine, you can get your COVID vax too. Oh, you know who does that? Like if you want to go to see your favorite college football team play, I'm a Tennessee Vols fan. If I want to buy tickets individually to see Georgia, they make you buy one of the crappy non-conference game tickets as well. There you go. That's that's somewhat similar. They're not making you get the COVID shot, but they're trying to pair the two together. Right. So oh, ma- you want Georgia and Tennessee <laughs> tickets? Maybe you buy these Ball State tickets that go along with it. Well, Hammer, just in time for the holidays and a presidential uh, election season ahead of us, a uh, new COVID variant has uh, emerged. It's the seasonal variant yeah. now. <laughs> HV.1 is now dominant. Now, you're going to be, I don't know, man, when you hear these symptoms, I, after after running this list off, I might hit straight to CVS and get like three, three boosters in a row. <laughs> so, the new COVID variant, most common symptoms, sore throat, congestion, stuffiness, runny nose, cough, fatigue, Headache, muscle aches, fever, and chills. Okay, I have a question. I'm raising my hand. Aren't those just the signs of a cold? (laughs) I'm going straight to CVS, and I'm demanding three new COVID boosters in a row. You're demanding that they do, like, the anal injections. (laughs) You know, no wonder... Just put the vaccine in there. I don't care how you do it. Straight to my bloodstream if it's through the anal cavity. Remember back when China was trying to get everybody to do COVID testing anally? Remember yes, that that the, was the a thing? That they, or something like that. They had anal swabs. That right. Because you, you could test quicker for that. We're not making this up. This was like an international news story. China has begun carrying out anal swabs for COVID in a controversial move that has received some pushback. A hospital in Beijing carried out the swabs when testing staff at a school, while authorities in some hotspot areas may introduce the measure for people arriving from abroad. In some places, including a Beijing hospital, they carried out anal swabs with the idea being that the the presence of the virus in excrement is uh, longer to detect. I don't know which is worse, receiving a COVID anal swab test or having to give it. <laughs> which would, which would you rather be, the the giver of the anal swab or the receiver? I mean, I guess I'd rather give. <laughs> I'd rather be the giver than the receiver. No. I guess. Brian Baker on the YouTube chat. Don't forget there were COVID butt sniffing dogs. That's right. They can smell the COVID coming straight from your crack. But man, the uh, the old anal swabbing never caught on. As much as China has. As like a stranglehold of all the people in their country. That was the yeah. one thing where the people said, now you've gone too far. <laughs> and I remember when this happened, because I had just got done listening to a little bit of Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah. and I put together a Hammer and Nigel Records oh. song about this. China has a new coronavirus anal swab test. <laughs> Some Chinese experts claim it's way more effective. You can tell the doc to give me all them shots. You can tell the nurse to check my head. Yeah. 
and you can take a swab and jam it up my schnoz and twist it all around until I'm dead. All right, all right. And tell your doctor that I'll wear 13 masks and you can draw some blood out of my back. Okay. I'll sneeze into a tube, but forget about the lube. You ain't coming anywhere near my crack. <laughs> Here we go. Don't touch my butt. Come on. My tidy whitey butt. I just don't think you'd understand. Come on. That if you touch my butt, my tidy whitey butt, I might pop off and punch this man. <laughs> Woo! River. Thank you, Doc. Ever served time? There it is. <laughs> New oh. single from Hammer and Nigel Records. Oh, wow. Seems that's like in, only yesterday. That's incredible. <laughs> that is, that's exquisite. Never really caught on. Nope. The anal swabbing. Show. Coming up after 4 o'clock, what are Joe Biden and uh, the communist dictator, President Xi, from China going to talk about? I'm sure they're going to bring up COVID and spy balloons and stuff like that. We'll get to all of that coming up a little bit after. <laughs> you may be disappointed. Um, the How many email addresses do you have? Uh, let's see. We've I've got my work email. Then we've got the joint Hammer and Nigel email here at work. Hammer and Nigel at WIBC.com. Uh, my personal email, I think that's it. So I got three? Three. I'm, I've, got th- I've got my personal work email, two like random Gmail ones, and then, we, yeah, like, uh, like so I would have four then with the hammer and Nigel at WIBC.com. And the reason why I'm asking you this is, according to lifehacker.com, it's good to have at least four email addresses. And here's why. You need the personal one. You need, like, like one for your apps on your smartphone. Um, trials, shopping that gets you, like, a lot of marketing messages and coupons and stuff. And one that you just use for for like news and newsletters, which comes like like your own personal curated news feed. So they're recommending four email addresses. Okay. Every one of my, like even my personal email address, which is like a Gmail one, it's filled with spam and filled with uh, marketing crap. So even I don't when just you get, click the unsubscribe, you know, <laughs> thing, half the time it takes you to another spam thing. Yeah, exactly. And my, uh, let's see. And I have the second Gmail one is really the spam one, where it's nothing but Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump, <laughs> GE Appliances. This is, I don't know how I got on a Donald Trump list, but this one's just every other every other email on this. I mean, this is like spam central. Which one do you use for your Tinder and Grinder? <laughs> I'm not on Tinder and Grinder. Okay. Not, uh, Anymore. <laughs> Anymore. Yeah. Allison, how many emails do you have? Like, Nige and I are substantially older than you. I feel like we probably use email more, though. Uh, I think I have three. So I have my work one, a personal one, and then a one for junk and shopping. Which that's I the one don't... where you talk to your friends ripping Nigel and I all the time. Like, that's the private <laughs> oh, one, Oh, absolutely. Right? I'll yeah, never yeah. see that one. <laughs> I have a feeling she does that out in the open. She doesn't need a junk email for that. Yeah, it's called the Home and Garden Show. Every <laughs> nine to one on Saturdays. Every Saturday, yeah. Nige, you know, 
we sit here and we have Allison on our program and, you know, we've welcomed her into our family. And what we get in return is Pat and Denny are talking crap about us. They're having JMV on their show and Allison doesn't stick up for us. That's what happens. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> Here's a new trend for you. Check this one out. Here's a new trend. Having two dishwashers. Oh, that's a power move. There's apparently a trend of people having a second dishwasher installed so that you can do more cleaning at once, including the pans. Because the pans take up a lot of space, right? If you've got a lot of dishes, like you want to get them all going and done. I totally yeah, get well, this. I, I will say our dishwasher is constantly running. I mean, at least twice a day, most days. But we only have one. Like My wife and I and some friends with this thing called Homerama this year, which is like, it's... Like where you pay sixty five dollars to tour multi million dollar mansions that you'll never be able to afford. Get to sniff the rich people air. Yeah, exactly. Every house we've toured and walked into had multiple dishwashers and multiple clothes washers and dryers. Upstairs, downstairs, basement. I think I saw one house that had one had clothes washers in their basement, on the main floor, and then the upstairs. <laughs> I mean, wow, incredible. So this might be a dumb guy question, and maybe Allison knows this because she works on the Home and Garden Show. Our dishwasher broke, and I've been heartbroken about this for a long time because I've tried every trick in the book. I've watched every YouTube video, and it's just not working. So who fixes that? That's Is it a plumbing issue, yeah. or is it an appliance person? Like, I need somebody to fix our dishwasher. I know. I'll send Denny Smith to your house. Please do. <laughs> Like, he's going to show up in the middle of the night, like 3 o'clock in the morning with a tool belt on. Yeah. We have, a, have the same problem with our oven. I think it's GE, and I can't, it won't warm up when I put it on bake. I have to put it on broil to okay. heat it up uh, to as hot as it'll get, and then, I, and then I have to turn it back to bake to set an actual temperature. Okay. But it's not, so I, I have no idea who to call. Like, like an appliance, I feel like a, a random appliance guy would just... Or handyman. There's well, a lot of those. Yeah, but I, I don't know any, and I don't know who would be good at that, and I feel like I'd be ta getting taken advantage of. So, all right, if you're listening, and Allison, you use your home and garden show resources here, if you know how to fix Nigel's oven and my dishwasher, hit us up here on the Hammer and Nigel show, because, again, we're morons, and we can't fix but, anything. But, like, there's a QR code on my oven that says, scan this, and then when I scan it, it's like, I have to sign up for this whole thing through GE, and it takes for, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on says something about being on a waiting list for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm like... Okay, I'm not doing that either. Yeah. Like every video it, I've tried be. to fix the dishwasher, yeah. we need you to get in there and unscrew all this stuff no, and change the sensor. And man, you'll just make it worse. <laughs> I'm a liability when it comes to this kind of stuff. So if anybody knows anything about this stuff, Denny Smith, uh, Denny Sidekick Pat, if you guys are listening, <laughs> we'd love to have your feedback. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock crazy. The U.S. Navy had to shoot down a drone heading towards one of its warships in the uh, in the Red Sea, and the drone was coming from Yemen. And this is just the latest in uh, many attacks on 
or attempted attacks and or physical attacks on warships and military installations in that region. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens over the past few weeks from, I, I, I can only assume, is Iranian proxies. And this isn't anything that should be surprising. How long have we said, even before the war with Israel and Hamas started, We've been saying on this program that as we get close to the end of Joe Biden's term as president, maybe it's his first term, maybe it's his last term, I don't know. But as we get toward the end, every bad actor is going to get squirrely because they don't respect the United States under Joe Biden's leadership. And now you're seeing this. And the war in the Middle East has just kind of exacerbated everybody else. So Yemen feels cocky enough to try to send a drone over to screw with the USS Thomas Hudner. Now, a defense official said the drone was shot down in self-defense. It was heading toward the Hudner. So, I'm sure that Joe Biden is going to bring up a lot of these issues when he meets with world <laughs> leaders out in California. You know, here, yeah, I'm looking at the list uh, right now of things he's going to address specifically with the communist dictator from China. Uh, financial accountability for COVID, a hard commitment not to invade or annex Taiwan, um, shut down Chinese spy base that's in the, the, the spy base that's in Cuba, stopping the ex- exports of fentanyl, um, intellectual property theft. I'm sure they're going to revisit all those things when they meet. they've already met. That's, by the way, a list of uh, things Vivek Ramaswamy put out if he were president. That's what he'd be addressing. With Joe Biden's not going to address any of that. None. Nada. Could you guys help us out on climate change over there? Because climate change is like a really existential threat to the existence of the United States. So if you could calm down on the coal plants over in China, we'd appreciate it. Thanks. The way the United States treated this drone going after one of our ships in the water, shooting it down, is what should have happened to that spy balloon once it was over nothing but farmland. But instead, Joe Biden looked up and saw that it was a Chinese spy balloon (laughs) and then just kind of waved like a parade was going by. Hey, look at that. What What is that? That's exactly what should have happened to that Chinese spy balloon, and Joe Biden should I be mean, talking to Xi about said spy he balloon. Did, well, hold on. Biden shut down the spy balloon. After it already crossed the country. <laughs> After it hovered over nuclear military installations in the United States. They might as well put the old Bush mission accomplished banner in the background, because <laughs> that spy balloon got all of its work done before it was shot down over Myrtle Beach. Oh, wow. But San Francisco looked very different today. And I'm not talking. And I'm not talking about the absence of fecal matter or uh, dirty needles or zombie-like bums traversing the streets uh, those are all gone so it looks different in that respect i'm just talking about the streets lined with the chinese flag it right looked, it looked like a procession it looked like some sort of parade in beijing like when they had the opening ceremony of the olympics that's what san francisco looked like today a show of support for one of the most ruthless communists regimes on the planet if not the biggest and baddest <laughs> and they rolled out the red carpet for it it's yeah kind of, it's yeah, embarrassing they, i mean the tax-paying citizens of san francisco have to be fed up i'd be looking at that and be wait a minute you guys cleaned this city up within days didn't spend any extra money to do so for an elite communist 
Chinese dictator accused of of, of human uh, uh, accused of genocide, accused of human atrocities. But they voted for it, though. And this is kind of where I'm at with the city of Indianapolis. I live here. I want the city to be clean. I want my tax dollars used properly. But there's a lot of people here that had their stores looted out, bricks thrown through. They wake up in the morning. There's bums camped out under their you know, tents by their businesses. And they're going to say, this is just fine. We're going to keep voting for the same people. The Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce, the Chamber of Commerce endorsed Joe Hogsett instead of the guy that had made his living being a very successful businessman and who, oh, by the way, didn't mysteriously disappear during the riots and allow their businesses to be destroyed. Now, look, I've said this before. I was no Jefferson Shreve fan because I thought the people running his campaign had too much control and he was too much of a weenie to fight back against them. That's ultimately why he lost and didn't resonate with anybody. But the Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce, they're the same people as San Francisco, aren't they? Like, you can complain all you want about the needles and the poop and the Chinese flags, but you keep voting for the same people. But, and the thing is, you see that they had the ability to do something about it. And the only reason they did anything about it was because of the, the guy that's accused of all sorts of human rights violations was coming to town. I, I would be incensed. And they didn't spend in San Francisco again. They didn't uh, tack on a fee like they're trying to do here in Indianapolis to keep Indianapolis the square mile safe and clean and homeless outreach. <laughs> you know, they didn't spend any extra money to do that. They completely wiped homeless people off the street, sprayed, you know, you know, power sprayed the feces, got rid of the needles, all for the guy that's accused of uh, crimes against humanity. And if San Francisco is anything like Indianapolis, the local government put them all on some sort of shuttle and sent them to various hotels. Pray for those hotels. How would you like to be a worker at the hotel in San Francisco where all oh. of the people who have been just used and accustomed to defecating in the streets and doing needles out on the road are now given a room, a place to stay, and they're all together. They probably don't know what to do with the toilet. They probably, wait, what is this thing? Now, be careful, because the verified people at Channel 13 will fact check you <laughs> and say, hey, 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 there's nobody pooping in public over here like they did with the Afghan refugees. Some pe- like honestly, some people that are from this country, like, like when I was uh, between jobs in radio, probably ten years ago, I had a job as an operations manager as a, at a third-party logistics company, and we'd uh, have a bunch of temps come in, and they were from a foreign country, and uh, they wouldn't. How do I go about explaining this? We had to tell them not to stand on the toilet to poop. They would stand on it. They would like get on it and squat. They would okay. like stand like because they're used to squatting above a hole. Some people do that at rest stops, <laughs> like truck stops, because they don't want to, you know, go skin yeah. to seat. Yeah, we we had to put up a, a sign like a, with the big like Ghostbusters slash sign in the middle, but instead of like a ghost coming out of it, it was a guy squatting on the top of a toilet. With Who his, made that graphic? <laughs> we had to. There, it's available. Is it you really? Can buy it. Wow, I didn't know. And I'm not trying to speak poorly of these. These temps that were in here to help, they're trying to make a living. They don't know any better. But wow.
Um, yeah, I, I'm assuming some of these people that live on the streets of San Francisco would just prefer to go in their bed, right? Rather than, <laughs> rather than imagine what the house plumbing. cleaning folks of those hotels are going. Oh, through. are you kidding me? And it happens here too. We're not just picking on San Francisco. I know for a fact yeah, at least one hotel destroyed that old boss Hogsett used to send, and maybe he still does, the homeless to, was over by the old airport. It was that Crown Plaza Hotel over by the old airport on the west side. That was one of the places where the homeless, uh, those infected with COVID would go whenever the city had a big-time event, like hosting all of March Madness or the Big Ten Tournament, things like that. If you're ever wondering where the homeless go, they go to various hotels around the city of Indianapolis. And as for the mayor, when he disappears, he allegedly goes to Richmond, but nobody ever wants to talk about that. If you know, you know. Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Hey, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? Here's a Gen Zer who's gone viral on social media laying out all the reasons parents should not raise iPad kids. I just saw a TikTok from some millennial, and she was like, here's a message to Gen Z. You might make fun of us, but watch out. We're raising the next generation, and they're going to eat you up. Your kids can't read. You're raising Gen Alpha. Y'all bred iPad children. You've been shoving media and screens in these kids' faces since birth. They probably have no imagination, because their brain hasn't actually been forced to come up with any original thought. Don't give your kids iPads at a restaurant in public? Can you not make your child behave for more than five seconds that they can live without an iPad for dinner? Can you not give your child enough attention and like actually converse with them, teach them things and have conversations? Why do you have to just give them an iPad to make them shut up? Why are they even there then? What are you doing? We have to right a wrong, guys. We have to make our kids normal, please. Uh, two things here. No, this is nothing that doofus doesn't know what he's talking about. We have <laughs> my uh, like we have limited time during the week and the weekends where kids can get on their iPads. I believe. I mean, my daughter watches all sorts of uh, creative things on YouTube that that she then does. She replicates and tries to do on her own. And what she, if she wants to figure out something, she'll look it up. There all sorts of creative things, uh, like in terms of uh, being an artist, making bracelets making slime uh the stuff that these kids have no imagination is a bunch of bs my my kids both utilize uh their ipad in a way that it makes them more creative and helps them and gives them ideas right and and inspires them so that guy's an idiot um but at the same time we don't let her i mean we basically don't let our kids have ipads during the school year and in terms of having ipads at restaurants we went on vacation with uh, Lindsay's cousin, her husband, um, and their kids are the same age as our kids, right? So second cousins. 
and we didn't let him use the iPad during the vacation. The only time we let him use the iPad is when we did go out to dinner. Right. <laughs> it's because, because you know, uh, it's it's just kind of a way to, to have a nice, calm dinner without, for literally most of the day during vacation, we're out of the beach, we're not looking at screens, and that's the way it is. So I, I, I don't buy into this guy. There are some parents that are, you know, just day and night, left and right, letting their kids having their nose in their iPads 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not what I'm saying. Um, and and my kid used to be in a Fortnite, pretty heavy, Xbox 10 or whatever, uh, right. Xbox X. Um, it, and he's kind of like, that's fallen by the wayside. So $800 down the drain there. But, <laughs> but that's fine. He used to play that non, non-stop. I mean, like when I say non-stop, I mean, get up in the morning without our knowledge at 4 o'clock and start playing with his, with his buddies oh, yeah. here online. And but, you know what, though, man? Like, I think there's, you know, consequences that can go along with it. Like, my kids have been using this stuff for a long time. They're both really smart. They're both on academic honor roll. They both do yeah, tons of physical exactly. activity. You know, as long as you're getting good grades, you're doing physical activity, yes. you're social. I have no problem if you want to talk to your friends online or watch YouTube videos or whatever. And as for dinner, Sometimes you just want the kids to shut the hell up. <laughs> Sometimes wrong with that. you just want the kids to shut the hell up. You don't feel like making dinner. That's why you're out to dinner. Yeah, I have a feeling whoever this doofus was, this this idiot doesn't have kids. By the way, speaking of dinners, do you have uh, big plans tonight, Nige? It's a special night in the Laskowski house. Oh, man. Uh, happy 15th anniversary to my beautiful wife, Lindsay. We Boy, she's uh, a saint. Fifteen years of funneling your hog. Ooh. God bless her. She deserves the sagamore of the Wabash. We had breakfast this morning at this breakfast place down in Zion in the, the village in Zionsville. I texted out a picture to my family and my dad just wrote back. Congratulations, Lindsay. <laughs> she's the uh, one that deserves all the accolades no, here. I we went out to dinner uh Saturday to celebrate, and we had 6.30 reservations down at uh, Noah Grant's in the village, and we were back home by 9 in bed watching a movie, because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have the kids that night. Old people stuff. That's even better. Like, you didn't have the kids, yeah. and you're still at yep. home by 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah. It was heaven. <laughs> and then uh, this morning, we woke up and had breakfast, and that, that's about Tonight, a tradition ever since Lindsay was pregnant with Connor 12 years ago, order Donato's. Oh, okay. 12 years ago, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, and she's like, you know, she's still got a month to go into her pregnancy. She's huge. And she's like, I go, do you just want to stay home and order Donato's? Yeah. So That sounds great, Donato's man. for me and the kids tonight on the 15-year anniversary. Can't believe it's still rocking. 15 years on November uh, 15th. Congratulations Thank you, to sir. you guys. As for Donato's, you might not be able to tell by looking at me. Their salads are fantastic. Like I <laughs> oh, love. Yeah. She'll order a salad. She like will. the uh, salad yeah. they have with like the pepperoni yeah. and all the peppers yep. and stuff in it. She, she likes them. The thin crust pepperoni pizza. Man, now I want Donato's. Is this anything? A cargo plane that departed JFK Airport in New York City had to return because a horse that was on board got loose. <laughs> a horse. Here's the pilot's call to air traffic control. 
Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we are a cargo plane. Uh, we have live animal horse on board the airplane, and the horse managed to escape his stall. Uh, we don't have a, a problem as of flying-wise, but we need to return return back to New York. We cannot get the horse back secure. I ain't seen it beaten like that since somebody stuffed an apple down my pants and let a horse loose. Hi <laughs> How do you how do you go about like when you land who's supposed to corral the horse? This they were on their way to like Egypt or or Bangladesh or somewhere like that. Right. Uh okay, yeah, there's a horse loose in the in the in the cargo section, but who on the ground at the airport working knows how to corral and wrangle a horse? That's not part of the training, no. I would imagine. And, like, if a horse can get loose and just walk up and down the aisle, yeah. why am I the bad guy if I want to stand up without my seatbelt on? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, I got a feud, a right-on-right feud. Employee on boss feud, if you yeah, will. Yeah, Ben Shapiro, a uh, political flamethrower, conservative. Uh, it goes around to these colleges and just has these debates with these woke college students and decimates them. Same thing Candace Owens does, too. So it's it's Ben Shapiro runs a Daily Wire. Uh, it's a daily podcast. We all know we all know who Ben Shapiro is, right? We're familiar right. with him. And then Candace Owens, uh, one of his employees, has a daily podcast. Well, she said something about this whole Israel war with Hamas that was pretty strange, kind of out there. She compared Israel to the pre-segregation South, right? She said that Muslims in Jerusalem, like something about they're only allowed to live in the, quote, Muslim quarters. But the Muslim quarter is a, it, it, it's, I don't want to get into the weeds here. It's just a neighborhood in the city. It's, there's 300,000 Muslims that live in the city with only 22 of those, 22,000 living in that specific area. And Owen said the situation is proof that Israel isn't a, a quote, bastion of freedom. It is not a bastion of freedom because of the Muslim quarters. So she kind of was going out of her way to be the controversial conservative ripping on Israel. Sure, but I think she's got her facts. It doesn't look like she's accurate with her statement about what the Muslim quarters are. It's it's just a neighborhood in, in Jerusalem. Okay. So, again, she is a writer and columnist for the Daily Wire, which is owned by Ben Shapiro. So, Ben Shapiro was speaking at some events where college kids were at, and the issue of Candace Owens came up. Here is Ben Shapiro talking about... Really, his employee, Candace Owens. And then the question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this administration. Yeah. 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 I think she's been absolutely disgraceful. I think that I think that her, her faux sophistication on these particular issues has been ridiculous. It's not faux sophistication, it's ridiculous. Everybody can see the moves that she's making and the things that she's saying, and I find them disreputable. Uh, I, it, that was hard to understand, but basically said a faux sophistication is what he used to describe Candace Owen and her take about Israel. And it was, I think he said, what did he say, despicable? Yes. But he's paying her, though. Well, sure. Um, She hasn't tweeted for about 15 or 16 hours, as far as I know. The last thing she tweeted was that she's going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh. That episode drops at 6 on X. And 
Ben Shapiro in the past has gone after Tucker Carlson for some of his takes. And again, to get in the weeds, Tucker Carlson thinks that like, if you try to flex your strength in the Mideast, like in Israel, in the Mediterranean Sea, if you try to flex um, that your military might, that means you automatically want to go to war with Iran. That means that, that Iran is going to ha- have boots on the ground, and that's it. And Ben Shapiro's like, no, that's not what that means. I don't want war with Iran. And just because we flex our muscle and strength doesn't mean that's going to happen. Right. So kind of that's that's been kind of the dialogue going on. I'm interested to see. I'm real interested to see what this conversation is going to be like between Tucker and Candace tonight. And I wonder. I just had this thought pop up in my, my head if this is manufactured a little bit in some way just to get more kind of a professional wrestling work almost is that what you're suggesting i don't know yeah maybe nah i I mean like because what's in it for ben shapiro i guess more clicks to his site possibly but she's going on tucker right and tucker's not a big ben shapiro super fan to say the least because shapiro's ripped him in the past so it will be interesting later on tonight uh let's talk a little bit about banning free speech. Uh-oh. Normally, when you hear the sweet sounds of Luther Campbell and the two live crew there, we're talking about big tech. We're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, the morons that used to run Twitter. But in this case, we're talking about a Republican presidential candidate. We're talking about Nikki Haley. Ah, uh, yeah. Nikki Haley says every person on social media should be verified by name, which means no anonymous accounts. You can't write anything anonymously on social media for the sake of national security. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's First of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say accountability and they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it it's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country uh so is she talking about the government working hand in hand with social media isn't this what we've been working against the entire time right is joe biden getting in bed with with twitter and facebook and suppressing stories left and right that ended up being true and now she look if Elon Musk wants to privately do this and take and say, hey, if you want to be on my platform, you got to be verified. We got to know your name. If he wants to do it privately, I'm fine with it. And some of the things she said might actually be true, getting rid of a lot of those bots. But and I want to see the algorithms. I, I think I that makes sense. I don't, I don't want the government involved in any way, shape, or form involved with with the social media companies and that's she's saying that's her first that's the first thing she's gonna do when she becomes president not address the border not talk about you know the department of justice and how it's become weaponized rampant crime across the united states trolls on twitter because that's really what this is about the anonymous trolls on twitter 
And look, we get our fair share of those folks, and we make fun of them all the time, that have no real identification. They just come to tweet at us to be trolls. Sure. I see it on the YouTube chat here. But we have the option of either ignoring you or blocking you, but the government should not have anything to do with what you're doing unless you're threatening to kill somebody or you know breaking some sort of law. It's not <laughs> illegal to be a troll yeah. per se. Yeah, I again if 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 Elon Musk wants to do this privately, sure. Do it. Go ahead. I have nothing to hide. I don't have any troll accounts. We're ver are we we're verified, right? Yes. So, so, uh, but I don't want the government starting to make lists and keeping track and who decides what's what's what and right. who is deciding what is acceptable and who who is. I think we that and was just that was a mistake by her because that's it's a bad all mistake over, all over social media the past twenty four hours. And whether you like it or not, anonymous speech is kind of a big part of free speech. Uh, you had Alexander Hamilton, James Madison. They all wrote anonymously. These are some of the founding fathers yeah. of this country, and they wrote anonymously. There's no reason to get the government involved. All the government needs to do is fund the military and get the hell out of our way. And protect our borders. That's all we're asking. We don't need them involved in everything. The government is not your daddy. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, there's a new study that found the average American tips at least five people a week, and half of us have, quote, tipping fatigue now. 53% say they're fed up with it. I get it, man. Now, if you're somebody that you know is dining and the waiter or the waitress is busting their butt, I have no problem at all tipping those folks. But if I walk up to Subway and I'm getting yeah. my sandwich to go, Subway is one of them. Like, why do I have to tip the folks that are just there making a regular salary? And you know what? I'm a sucker because sometimes I'll do it. I get guilted into it. Going to the bowling alley. Like, my son does a lot of bowling. Like, you go up to the bowling alley, you make your reservation, the dude wants a tip. Really? At the bowling alley. Well, that's that's exactly what's mentioned in this study. Why do we leave a tip when we don't really want to? And 43% say they don't want to look like a jerk. 34% don't want to seem cheap. 70% of us feel guilty if we don't leave a tip, especially... If that person is standing right in front of you, like they are at Subway. Right. They're just looking at you. I'll tell you, a good service at a sit-down restaurant, of course, I'm tipping. Um, but the guy that did our uh, that leaves in our yard, this kid in our neighborhood, did a really good job. Tip him, of course. Yeah. I don't mind that. Um, I've definitely, uh, when we get, some, we get somewhere safe using Uber, wife and I went out to um, just real quick to the to Zionsville Village uh, for dinner for our anniversary dinner last Saturday um, it tipped very well on a six dollar ride right you delivery know, I, driver over, yeah. pizza guy absolutely like I'm a really good tipper like I'll go above and beyond because I appreciate the hell out of what they're doing but why does somebody that's working at the bowling alley <laughs> need to get 20 percent on my order and, and, and doordash drivers as well I yeah you know, food delivery drivers I usually tip pretty good if they're if it arrives on time but this is interesting too we're still tipping waiters and waitresses more than we were pre-pandemic but it's fallen off 42 i mean it's 42 percent of us tip at least 20 percent now okay but that's down from 56 percent in 2021 people were t tipping a lot more in 2021 than 20 percent because that was like 
kind of post-COVID, like it was right after the COVID year. Yeah, but you were still being shamed into, into taking the vaccine. That, True. That was, that All was of that. that stuff was going on, yeah, but, but were, some of these stores that were actually open, like we were just thankful they were open. Thank God you're here. Thank goodness you're working again. Here's 50% of the bill. Like we were treating some of these workers like they were first responders <laughs> going through the drive-thru oh, at McDonald's. I definitely was. I thanked the guy like in 2020 at McDonald's. I thanked him for his service. Like he just got <laughs> back from Iraq. <laughs> I remember that for sure. Yeah. I mean, those guys, the truckers, the people at the gas stations, the the, the I mean, there's lots of unsung heroes during the pandemic. People working was... at the pharmacies. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Here's your McNuggets, sir. In your mind, you've got Lee Greenwood playing in the background. Single tears coming out of your eye. I just want to shake your hand. What is this thing with the rules for the group texts? So, somebody came up with a list of rules of engagement if you're doing a group text. Tell me if you buy some of these. Now, we have a group text that we do with like a couple different people, our bosses. Yeah. We got one with Rob, yeah. and we're talking about gambling and stupid stuff. They include no more than 12 people in the group text, six is ideal, and new members must be approved first. <laughs> You can't be adding somebody that you don't like. Uh, zero pressure to respond in a timely fashion. And if it's a work-related group chat, no texting on the weekends. Ooh. We violate the bejesus out of that. But to be fair, the NFL games are on the weekend. Yeah, we're, we're texting our bosses about the Colts and how bad they're playing. <laughs> right, right. How much we're complaining about that. Bets like, that we've made in college football on Saturday. I'm on a... Uh, group text with I've got nine people. Nine is the most. To what I mean, no more than twelve people. Six is ideal. I've got nine. Nine's and too many for it's, me. It's mostly neighbors. It's okay. mostly neighbors, the people we live next to. And do they just comment all the time? Is your phone always going ding, 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 ding? Yeah, I'm usually operate with my phone turned off, and it, I don't get notified unless I look at it physically. Oh, I'm we like, notice that because you are in a group thread with us. <laughs> yeah, like Rob and I end up having a conversation by ourselves <laughs> when I'm still on it, and then six hours later, you will mention something that we've already discussed. <laughs> or, or my favorite is like eight hours later, I'll I'll, I'll put the old ha ha. Ah, on a <laughs> comment when I'm looking at it at six in the morning that was made at ten thirty at night. The old thumbs up. <laughs> ten hours later. Eight PM the group thread. The US has killed bin Laden. The next morning, <laughs> ten AM. Thumbs up from Nige on the group text. Oh wow. Uh here are some other things on this <laughs> rules of engagement for group text. Never respond with the word Ha. That's one of the rules here. You can't well, just say ha. You have to at least double it up with a ha ha because ha just makes you look passive aggressive or lazy. Right. You don't you don't want to you know put any work into the text. Making fun of Android users for their green bubble <laughs> is allowed. Oh, I hate the green bubble. Come on. Uh Google blames Apple for the whole green bubble thing by the way. Uh, <laughs> really? You shouldn't feel pressure to reply right away, and there's a 48-hour grace period. Oh, wow. 48 hours. Right. Okay. So I, well, then I don't feel so bad then. But that, that list is crap, though. So you're <laughs> going to tell me, I can't believe you sent a text out. I can't believe the Colts have won two games in a row, and they're 5-5. Five and five. And you respond on Tuesday, <laughs> how about those Colts, huh? 
That sucks. <laughs> you might have a point. You might have a point there. Do not go anywhere. We got the top stories coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock all right, Hammer, we got a little legal stuff going on. This time, uh, an unusual pairing. Hunter Biden trying to subpoena Donald Trump in Hunter's Delaware gun case. This is a good old-fashioned of pot meat kettle right there. It's a great example of this here. So Hunter has asked a judge to subpoena Donald Trump and... What Hunter is saying is that the only reason that he's being investigated is because Donald Trump was behind pushing a political agenda on his rival. Uh, it sounds like he's just trying to delay the case. You remember Hunter Biden pled not guilty last month to felony charges. He purchased a, like this Colt Cobra revolver in 2018 when, by his own admission, he was addicted to drugs. It says there right on the form when you fill out uh, to buy a gun, um, are you addicted to any sort of um, drugs? Are you a drug addict, basically, is what it says. And he checked no. And he wrote which, about this in his book, <laughs> right. that he was on drugs. Okay. <laughs> so, in the court filing, um, Hunter's lawyer said there was evidence that Donald Trump had, quote, improper and partisan pressure on the Justice Department to investigate Hunter Biden. Okay. What the hell do you think is happening to Donald Trump right now? No kidding. Like, the balls on this kid to come out there and say, there are two tiers of justice out here right now, and I'm the victim. Joe Biden is actively trying to uh, suppress and incarcerate his political opponent for the 2024 presidential election and using the Department of Justice to do it. And his supporters, too. Don't forget that. There are people locked up that weren't even there at the Capitol on January 6th. Sure. They got the book thrown at them. But yet, there are people in the summer of love that got a slap on the wrist, put back out there uh, for desecrating federal monuments, uh, burning down police stations in various cities. It definitely is a bad look for Hunter Biden to claim to be the victim in this, right? And Hunter Biden, I mean, there's other people that were put in jail for a lot less than what he is accused of. Who was the who's the rapper? I forget. The, I keep I always forget the rapper. Kodak name. Black. Kodak Black. Yes, he. It was either he or his attorney put out a tweet that said, "Boy, I went to jail for three years for what Hunter Biden's being accused of." Right. And they were uh, they were almost going to get a uh, sweetheart plea deal out of it until the whole thing uh, fell apart because the judge uh, in that case was like, "Uh, no, I don't think so. We're not taking this plea. For Hunter Biden to say that the Justice Department is improperly going after him, that's a a bold strategy, Cotton. Uh, So, I'm looking at this poll from the state of New Hampshire. Nige, New Hampshire is one of the early states on the primary calendar. It's a big one. It's an important one. And again, take this for what you will. Everybody's putting out polling information right now. But just in regards to the Republican primary, now they've got Donald Trump way ahead. But coming in second in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley. Whoa. She is 31 points behind Donald Trump at 18%. And then coming in third, it's not Ron DeSantis, it's Chris Christie. Okay. 
<laughs> then I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough of this poll. We know this poll is bogus. Now, we always say that national polling really doesn't mean squat, and it's a state-by-state polling that means a lot. And yeah, New Hampshire is uh, pretty important uh, when talking about primaries. But Chris Christie in third place? And it doesn't matter anyway, because Trump is 40, 50, 60% ahead of all these people. So 49% Donald Trump, and then Nikki Haley comes in at 18%. That's up 14 from the last round of polling. Is Vivek in there? Uh, he comes in fifth. Okay. So Chris Christie had 9%, DeSantis had 7 and then Ramaswamy comes in fifth place with 5%. All right, I'm rolling my eye. Can you hear me rolling my eyes <laughs> right now? And Nikki Haley, this poll was probably before she came out and said that uh, the government, you know, one of the first things she's going to do when she's president is is make everybody uh, have, uh, you know, no anonymity on the internet anymore when it comes to social media. Right. Legally, by the, through the government, you are going to have to uh, register your name uh, when you post on social media. Yeah, that's not going Just to happen. Strange, strange play for her. I mean, if if like private companies want to do that, okay, but you don't need to be working in concert with the government on something like that. She she hurt herself. There are bigger fish yeah. to fry than trolls well, on Twitter. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's and the thing is, she she said that's like one of the first thing she's going to do. What about the border? Right. Now, I will say this in regards to this poll from New Hampshire. Yeah. With Donald Trump being basically flat from August, this tells me that the indictments and all that other stuff haven't hurt him one bit. No. I mean, the more indictments, the better the polling. Right. Now, I'm curious if he actually gets convicted of something. Will that change any of the polling at all? So I, I don't. It might make him stronger. I think with the Republican polling, and that's what this is. It's just a Republican primary polling. He's going to be just fine. But when you do, let's say the New Hampshire poll of all three candidates: Biden, RFK Jr., and Donald Trump. How does all of the legal stuff affect him moving forward? Well, we know it, when it's just Donald Trump and Joe Biden in swing states that poll from the New York Times, Siena, uh, Trump trounces Joe Biden in in a lot of those swing states. Right. Now, when RFK is in the mix, the numbers slightly change up. Right, because RFK pulls away from Donald Trump's voters. That's going to be the problem. And if I'm Trump's campaign, depending on your finances, it might be time to start doing some negative campaign ads against RFK Jr. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of disenchanted Republican voters that don't like Donald Trump but hate Joe Biden. And independents as well. That feel like, oh, well, maybe RFK Jr. is a down-the-middle pick. It's not a down-the-middle pick at all. This guy is very left. Now, is he as far left as, say, Rashida Tlaib? No. No. But he's still kind of a lunatic. I mean, RFK Jr. is like implied that climate deniers should go to jail. But I also like his stance on the vaccine, anti-mandate, anti-lockdowns. I'd like the fact that he wants to get out of foreign wars and wants nothing to do with with uh, some of the stuff going on right now involving the United States and other uh, places in the Middle East. I like he's it. a lunatic on climate change. I mean, he like wants to lock you up if you don't recycle a can. <laughs> he's, he's, he's walked that back. Come on. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty. Free.
and far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! So, Hammer, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Taylor Swift's boyfriend is also a singer. I hate that we're calling Travis Kelsey a Super Bowl winner and a Pro Bowl (laughs) Taylor Swift's boyfriend. (laughs) So, Travis Kelsey and his brother Jason, who plays for the Eagles, I believe, right? Eagles! Eagles! They just released a new Christmas song called Fairy Tale of Philadelphia. And just like Philly is the you know the city of brotherly love, I think this song, this Christmas song talks about um the the love that Jason and Travis have for one another. Here you go. I could have been someone. Well so could anyone. You took my dreams from me when mom first had you. I kept them with me, Jace. I put them with my own oh my. Can't make it all alone I built my dreams around you The sound of the silver ages oh Choirs that sing Bay And the bells were ringing out For Christmas Day The Kelsey Brothers releasing a Christmas Whoa. song Are you okay with this? Listen, I'm okay with anybody wanting to do what they want. And I don't know if this is for some charity thing or if they're just trying to make money off it. Either way, knock yourself out. But I do not want to hear them sing. (laughs) And I I can't stress this enough. It sounded like it was a tongue-in-cheek Christmas song about how my life was ruined when mom decided to have you. Kind of a a comedy sort of thing. Like, throughout this whole process where the country has kind of discovered and gotten to know Travis Kelsey, and as a result of that, his brother Jason. I like Jason more than Travis. <laughs> Do you really? The big, fat slob yeah. that's the lineman for the Eagles. Like, in the event there's ever a wedding between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, think about everything you know about Taylor Swift. You know, Miss Diva, the rock star. The best man is going to be like this big, fat, bearded, <laughs> beer gut having Jason Kelsey. And I'm kind of here for that. So, in honor of the Kelsey brothers, and their Christmas song. How about great moments in Christmas song history, oh, wonderful, Nige? wonderful. This was when Mariah Carey was warming up for some NBC special. Like, this was during the daytime, during yeah. sound check. This was the isolated vocals of her warming up doing her iconic Christmas song. Make my wish come true. I forgot about this. So make my wish come true. Oh, baby, all I want for Christmas is you. Oh, kind of hit the last note there. Yeah, man, that's a far cry from the old vision of love days that I remember <laughs> from Mariah Carey, the emotions days. But to be fair, like. Was she just doing it half-assed to see if the microphones were working? Because there's no way. Like, I mean, that's what it sounds uh, like during the right. show. I mean, there's backing vocals that are, are, are looped in as well. Sure. So, on the heels of that, yeah. great moments in Christmas song history, here's a little mashup of her finished project, All I Want for Christmas is You, with Marilyn Manson's oh, no. The Beautiful People. 
Totally ruining both of these songs for me. <laughs> Big finish. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And of course, you can't have a Merry Christmas without one of the most emotional Christmas songs out there. The Christmas song performed by a guy making his hands do a farting sound. <laughs> the hand farter. Sounds real. <laughs> Come on, give me that high note. <laughs> Great moments in Christmas songs yeah, history. Well, you want to really impress me, forget about doing that with your hands. I want you to do it with your butt. That'll really impress me. All right, I'm going to need a six-pack of Budweiser, <laughs> some Taco Bell, stat. Let's get this party started. A former town official in Oregon claims that giants are real. Here's a quick clip whoa, whoa, where... Whoa, 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 back up a little bit. He claims what? That giants are real. Like not, seven, eight, ten-foot people. Not, he didn't say Sasquatch. He didn't say, uh, you know, he's saying giants. He's claiming that giants are real. This is an Oregon official. Here's a quick clip where James Goble talks about seeing a giant in the foothills of Lynn County. There, right up there. That thing was open. It opened completely up, and then it closed back up. And there's a little slot in it right up there. You can see that little slot where it looked like somebody was staring out of. Dude, giants are freaking real. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> this is a guy that used used to have an official uh, capacity with the town in Oregon. Are you okay with this? Yes, I'm okay with this. <laughs> what? Because crazy people exist, and they have a right to their opinion. Who am I to say that giants don't exist? Maybe he saw a giant. If my man says that he saw a giant, maybe he did. Maybe they do exist. But in honor to be completely fair and balanced yeah. on this program, in regards to giants being real, here with an opposing <laughs> viewpoint is the crazy plain lady. <laughs> but I am telling you right now, that mother f- that mother f- back there is not real. So we've covered both <laughs> sides of Giant Gate okay. here on the program. Andre 3000 is dropping his first solo album Friday, Hammer. Okay. He, he's he's part of the... Who was Andre 3000? Outcast. Outcast, that's right. So he's got a solo album coming out. It's called... New Blue Sun, and it's 87 straight minutes of experimental instrumental music featuring flutes. <laughs> oh, good lord. Uh, right on the packaging, I'm looking at the picture of the packaging, it says, warning, no bars, meaning no bars, beats, or vocals, just flutes and other wind instruments. Are you okay with this? No, that sounds like it sucks. <laughs> and I like Andre 3000. I liked Outkast. Man, growing up as a pasty white kid on the South Side, sure. when I first got my driver's license, the uh, tape and then the CD that you would put in your car was some of that early stuff by Outkick. But you're telling me that he's 
just going to be playing the flute? <laughs> That's what I'm getting from I've this? I've actually got a little um, uh, piece of the record here, a clip, if you'd like to hear it. Please. Okay. We got it now. It's all right. It's Andre 3000. His new album. Little having eggs coming at you. Hold on, people. <laughs> Just a clip of the new album. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's baby making music. That's what that is. Uh, a quick clip, that, uh, clip of the new uh, Andre 3000 experimental. Sounds an awful lot like the uh, jazz flute from Ron Burgundy. <laughs> NASCAR driver Kevin Harvick. Oh, speaking of uh, Will Ferrell, NASCAR driver Kevin Harvick bought Ricky Bobby's house. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, right. Will Ferrell's character. Harvick purchased the Lake Norman, North Carolina mansion used in the movie Talladega Nights for $6.75 million. Are you okay with this? Yes, I love this. I hope that Kevin Harvick can get the stereo and the TV to play at the same time. <laughs> because after Cal Naughton moved in there, he had a hard time with that. Uh, but <laughs> this is the house, if you remember, where Ricky Bobby comes home and there's Little Walker and Texas Ranger. And they have that <laughs> iconic scene where they're having a big family meal, and Ricky Bobby gives the prayer. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. <laughs> it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. He's mm. a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? <laughs> I win the races, and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt, because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Sure. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band and I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. I love Kevin Harvick bought that house. Uh, that's classic. Six bedrooms, nine bath mansion that's got an elevator in there and the fireplace is still there where he can deliver grace. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. We'll go to the WIBC Highline and bring on Tony Kennett, host of the Tony Kennett cast weeknights at 7 o'clock right here on 93 WIBC. Also, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal. Tony, pretty powerful article you have up right now at The Daily Signal. Sort of a, a regretful, I told you so. I told you this was coming article. Um, start at the beginning, and then we'll work our way out of what this article is, is really about. So I'll go even further back than the tweet. The very first time that you guys had me on the air, back at the very end of, of 2021 going into 2022, yep. I issued a warning, and I said very clearly, when you tell kids that they are either good because they are oppressed or evil because they are privileged, you are telling children that violence is the answer. When you tell someone that the kid sitting next to them is a Nazi, that the kid sitting next to them is a white supremacist because they disagree with you, you are encouraging vigilante mob justice. I said, it's coming. I said, we're going to hit the point where you're going to have this gang of, of 15 or 16 kids that are going to be beating the snot and eventually killing these kids who disagree with him. And then we saw that happen in Ohio. We saw that happen in Florida. And now we just saw it in Las Vegas, where a boy finally was killed by 15 black students who kicked and stamped him to death mm. as bystanders just kind of watched. 
you know, because that's what people do these days. And uh, as I, think, I understand yeah. it, the the kid that died was helping out another student that this mob was picking on. That's correct. And, and I want to make it clear why they attacked the, the boy, yep. the, the, the young man who died was helping. They were shouting a bunch of racial slurs at him. They stole from him. And then they crammed this younger student into a trash can while calling him a lot of racial slurs. So the other guy comes up and basically approaches the group and is like, guys, stop. And uh, which, you know, for, for the record, is the extent of what Hollywood expects you to do when you see bullies. You're just supposed to go up and say, stop. But he tried to help this student out. And again, the thugs, because that's what they are, they participated in a little decolonization of their own, and they killed the young man mm. while shouting, you guessed it, racial slurs. So this is the thing that we've told, we've told young black students, you can shout racial slurs because white people are inherently evil. And we've told them that explicitly. Black people can't be racist because they don't have power. That's what some of the teachers at Lawrence North teach. That's what teachers all over IPS teach. That's what some of the Hamilton Southeastern teachers taught for a long time. It's very common. And they, these actions have consequences. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but kids are kind of impressionable. Right. Um, kids kind of take after very passionate adults. It's very common for a teenager to kind of pick a passionate adult and model their young adult life after them. Tony, and I want to back up their- just a second. Let me just jump in here. Those schools that you rattled off, because this is a very difficult conversation. That's a bold claim, but you have evidence of these claims being made by the schools like Lawrence North that you just mentioned. Yeah, when I taught at Lawrence North in 2018 and 2019, I would walk down first floor on my way up to the second floor where I taught, and I would see whiteboards of their some of their social sciences teachers and their equity counselors who had racism is prejudice plus power on their whiteboard, explaining to students that it's not racism if the individual doesn't have power. That's just prejudice, and everybody's got prejudices, and that's something totally different. I, it's not an I was told this. I saw it with my very own eyes. I saw it at Hamilton Southeastern. Teachers very directly have stressed this stuff. Someone sent me a massive packet of garbage that was racial equity training for the staff there, and this stuff is listed in black and white, and not just because the printer's, you know, not a color printer. I mean, we're seeing the results of the leaked manifesto from the transgender shooter as well, right? Yeah, they they quote, I want to kill white privileged kids, end quote. Again, how overt do you have to be before we realize, you know, that this ideology is kind of harmful, saying that someone is privileged because they have a mop of blonde hair and are white, as the uh, Nashville shooter so eloquently put it. Maybe that's kind of not good for kids to hear. Now, Tony, I want to go back to the summer of love back in 2020. As a pasty white guy myself here, I was told silence is violence, and we have to have tough conversations for society to move forward. I don't think I hear a lot of conversations taking place right now about the awful rhetoric we hear from certain uh, races, from a lot of the hate crimes that are happening in this country right now, from the just homophobic and ridiculous things you hear from people who are not white. Is silence not violence there? 
I would point to all of the racial equity trainings that a lot of your listeners have had to sit through. I would point to the individuals who say, oh, we want to have tough conversations. But really, those tough conversations only go one way. Because even if you say, I've never said a racist thing in my life, I didn't even care about skin colors at all until we were told it was a big deal in middle school. They're just people. That's how I was raised. They will look at you and they'll tell you, no, you're wrong. You've actually been biased and evil your entire life and you need to apologize. Who's complicit in this? Is is the media a big part of this problem? Because, again, the only thing I think we can compare this to is what happened in 2020. And every single media outlet, uh, they were quick to have Black Lives Matters and Town Hall and all these types of events happening. Again, silence uh, was violence back then. Does the media have a role in what's happening right now? They absolutely do, because they've been hiring the very individuals who have said the most violent rhetoric of all time to host their programs that encourage further violence, not just against white people, but against Asians, against Jews, against Cubans, all of whom now are apparently white. And it's it's patently insane, because like you said, it was silence is violence before. But all of a sudden you have stories of, again, serious, overt racial crimes occurring. But yet the media is completely quiet about those instances because they don't fit the narrative. I can guarantee if it was 15 white students at that high school in Vegas that killed one black student, that would be nonstop front page headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm assuming, look, I, I, I don't know, maybe the police are still investigating. There's got to be hate crime uh, accusations, right? I mean, there's got to be charges of hate crime for, for what happened in Vegas. There absolutely have been. And I, I got to ask Good. you guys, have you heard about the stabbing at uh, LSU? No. No, huh? Oh, you you didn't hear about that. Oh, that was just the other day. A black student went and stabbed four white girls on campus shouting, you guys guessed it, racial slurs. And you haven't heard hide or hair of that incident, yet when one white student shoves a black student out of the way at Ohio State University, it's national news for a week and a half. Tony, why are we seeing this so much? Not just the racial stuff, but the anti-Semitic stuff. I mean, it's overtly out there in people's faces. It's death to America, death to the Jews, pro-Hamas on college campuses. That seems like it doesn't get a lot of attention. I mean, it gets a little bit, but it doesn't get a lot of attention. And, of course, the stories that you just talked about. These aren't like back page things. These are major news stories. But, again, it just seems like it's a blip on the radar to a lot of the national news organizations. And there's a very key reason why, because all of the groups that are currently being assaulted in the streets, beaten to death for the crime of being Jewish, for the crime of being white, whatever white means, for those horrible crimes, they're they're the oppressors. They have all of the societal power, these media organizations and leftist people claim. So therefore, it's not actually it doesn't it's not really news. It's, it's just decolonization. Again, I, I point to the, uh, the the Washington Post columnist who, who said, you know, what did you think decolonization was going to look like? Vibes, social media posts after, you know, 1,200 Jews were raped and slaughtered. This is what decolonization looks like. That's what BLM of Indy said. They said that uh, uh, that 
the Palestinian uh, plight, that would be, again, the rape and murder of Jews, is just like what black people are facing in America. It's all about this oppressed versus oppressor nonsense. And this is not a new thing. It's very old. And were there, I'm sorry, I just, one more question about that Vegas, because it's just such a horrible story. I want to make sure we're clear. There, there has been hate crime charges brought against the students that killed the, the kid? There have been hate crime claims okay. and requests brought up okay. by, by parents, yes. by individuals in the community, but we do not have record that hate crime charges have been filed, which is a little unusual. Usually, when a black student is assaulted, hate crime charges are filed before uh, the police even arrive to the scene. Tony, I sent you a text message of some tweets that were posted by uh, recording artist Pink last night. Well, she was just here, I think. And she was ripping on MAGA crowd, ripping on Trump supporters, and it was all about banned books. One of her tweets, I'm going to read it word for word here, quote, the following are some titles of books that have been banned by schools in Florida, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Hate You Give, and she goes on and on and on. Now, that tweet was hit with the community notes, basically saying that it's false, but this whole banned books thing, it's almost like hands up, don't shoot. It's a complete lie that a lot of people have decided to run with. Yep. And uh, again, you, you see this with the uh, the goofball opening up the banned bookstore in, in Indianapolis, the quote unquote best selling author, when John Green was losing his ever loving mind because someone moved his book a whopping 15 feet. Uh, and you, you see everyone freaking out. And, and are we having a conversation as to whether these books are appropriate for kids? By the way, none of the books that Pink listed are even banned from schools in Florida or restricted access. 1984 is not restricted. Right. She felt for some fake bogus list that's out there, right? Right. And, and <laughs> it's, it's just An idiot. pathetic. I mean, it, uh, Atlas Shrugged was on the list. That's not even remotely banned. But, of course, she doesn't mention books like Gender Queer, which, you know, has a, a picture of a child giving oral sex to an old Greek philosopher. Uh, Pink, isn't, I, man, Pink isn't handing that book out at her concerts. This is just so tired. No one's buying it. Just a couple minutes left with Tony Kennett. Nikki Haley, GOP presidential uh, contender. Um, what did she say? That, uh, is she talking about the government getting involved with social media and, and making, you know, when she's president, she's going to make it uh, so that you can't be anonymous online anymore? Oh, I'm sorry. That's just, it's, I, can't, I can't hear her name without laughing. Nikki Haley went on two shows, one on Fox and Friends and one on a conservative podcast, and said that when she's president, that as a matter of national security, she would require all anonymous accounts online to register like with their real identity. So no more anonymous accounts um, basically requires the state to keep track of who everyone is on social media, which is like, oh, my God. No, I, right. I don't know if she knows. The Federalist Papers were written anonymously. <laughs> right. Um, we all hate I mean, trolls. Don't get it twisted. We make fun of the trolls that hide behind things. But, you know, they've got a right to do it. This is a key difference between old Republican like establishment and new Republicans. Old Republican establishment weirdos, they wouldn't like something, and then they would just like, well, we need a law for this. And everyone's like, no, you just ignore them. No, we need a law banning this, that, or the other. And it's like, no, you just 
potheads are just annoying. No, we need to ban <laughs> marijuana. Like, why? Like, I think you could block somebody on Twitter. Like, we block people from time to time if they're sure. a habitual pain in the ass, if they just come for the sake of trolling. We could block them, but if they want to do it to somebody else, knock yourself out. I, I just love it. Nikki Haley just absolutely nuking her entire political career with those statements. She's done. I mean, she she has been universally destroyed after that entire thing. I mean, she. I mean, in like two hours, those videos had circulated to a yeah. total like seven million views. Hey, uh, tonight, seven o'clock. Tony Kinnett cast right here on ninety three WIBC. Also find his work at the Daily Signal. Your uh, Twitter handle at the Tonus Tony Kinnett. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.